let's jump into God's word because God is good. Amen. Well, as we look forward to gathering again in person, uh, we are coming to the end of this year-long series titled More Like Jesus. What does it mean to be more like Jesus? I think we've I don't think we could ever exhaust that question, but we've asked that question many, many times throughout this year. And now as we come to the end of this year-long series, we are asking the question, or we are looking through this, what might cons- some might consider a controversial topic of what does it mean to lead more like Jesus. And I say controversial only because there are some for whatever reason, who may see this series as being non-essential because of the fact that you just don't, for whatever reason, uh, see yourself as a leader, as having leadership, quote-unquote, leadership material. And then also, we have to acknowledge on the other end of the spectrum, there have been some that have sought to conflate the way of Jesus with um, many of the popular leadership strategies of the day, seeing Jesus not just as a savior, but as a CEO figure. But how Jesus led was its own unique category of leadership. Because Jesus did not lead from a place of positional authority, meaning his natural ability, his personality, his talents. But he led with another sort of authority, another form of authority known as spiritual authority. See, how Jesus led others back to the Father's heart was through serving, sacrificing, submitting to the Father's will. And so seeing ourselves as or as not a leader today is irrelevant to this conversation because all that matters is, is does God see you as a leader? Does God believe in you? Has God called you to lead others back to him? You know, Moses didn't see himself as a leader. Moses when he encountered God in the burning bush and God called him to go back to Egypt and lead those people, his people, out of slavery and into the land of freedom, Moses' first response was to say, not me, I'm not a leader, I can't do it, I can't speak. You know, Moses struggled to delegate. Moses' resume had murder on it. But all God said was, all that matters is whether or not I think you are a leader, whether or not I've called you, and all that matters to whether or not you are a leader is that I am with you, and I will give you all that you need. All that matters for this one last series is whether or not God sees you or not as a leader. And I'm here to tell you today that, yes, the answer is God does see you as a leader. Because according to his word, if anyone and everyone has been anointed and empowered by God's Holy Spirit, that is what today represents Pentecost Sunday, the empowering, the anointing of God's Spirit upon us. And Jesus has commissioned us and called you to go to the place, the situations, where you are and influence others for the sake of the kingdom. That's what makes you a leader. And today, I know for me, I don't know about you, but it is both humbling and exciting to think that wherever God has me and God has you in this moment, it's not by accident. God, Where God has you is not by accident. It is by design. It is strategic and it is intentional. And if you are willing today just to simply surrender to his call on your life and seek to know his purpose for that situation, for that moment, Jesus, God, will do more in your life than you could ever ask, think, or imagine he might do. 
So last week, we began by asking and by looking at how, uh, that how G- leading like Jesus begins by leading ourselves. That of all the people that you will ever have the privilege of leading, the hardest, most difficult, most challenging person is you. And that each one of us has this God-given responsibility on our lives to lead the lives that God has assigned to you. Not just to live your life, but to lead your life. And regardless of the size of our gift, the size of our platform, our influence, we're all one day going to stand before God and give an account for the life, how well we led the life that God has given to you. See, when it comes to leading yourself, that is your God-given responsibility. But here's what we want you to know today. Here's what we want you to know. When it comes to leading yourself, that is your God-given responsibility. But when it comes to leading others, that is your God-given responsibility privilege. It is a privilege to lead others back to Jesus. Perhaps the greatest honor you and I will ever have in this life that God might bestow upon you is to put someone in your life for the purpose that you might be part of their journey in helping them be led closer and closer to Christ. I don't think that there is a greater privilege in this life than that. You know, as I reflect on my 13 years in ministry as a pastor, uh, for the first half of that ministry, for the seven years of the ministry, I had the greatest privilege that I believe God had ever, has ever entrusted to me, and that is to lead teenagers. Teenagers are awesome. If there's any teenagers out there, good on you for having the discipline to get up, to be with family, just to, to press in. We've got some teenagers in this room. We've got teenagers serving today. Shout out to you, Sam Huggins, behind the sound booth. Teenagers are awesome. I don't know what it is. Some people are afraid of teenagers. I mean, they don't bite. Teenagers are fun. I just say adults. Adults, we're just teenagers who lost our sense of humor, all right? Teenagers are fun. They are authentic. And third, they are brutally honest. They are brutally honest. I remember the very first day as a youth pastor, I stepped in front of this group of teenagers, and I said to them, I said, you know, I introduced myself, and I said, I'm going to be, you know, your new youth pastor. And I asked, is there any questions? And one girl put up her hand. She just said, can we have our old youth pastor back? You know, and leading teenagers was, was, was difficult, but when a young person opens their heart to you, and allows you to speak into their life, to influence the direction of their life at such a pivotal moment, I'm telling you, that is a gift. I consider those moments of my life, the most season of my ministry, to be the greatest privilege that I've ever had as a pastor. And maybe you too would consider stepping in and helping with our youth ministry. Because, and, and you can have that great privilege bestowed upon you. But when God trusts you enough to put someone in your path, in your life, for the sole purpose of leading you closer to him, that is a privilege that we should never take lightly. And fortunately, we all have that sort of someone in our life. A great starting place is to simply just take inventory of all the people in your life today. Who are the others that God is calling uh, you to lead closer to him? You know, if you're a parent, the most obvious answer is your children. I know of one father who lost his job during the pandemic, and all this time at home, he realized that he had been bringing his children, raising them in a Christian home, but he had been not raising them to specifically follow Christ. And and this time at home gave him this great opportunity to step into the role of of leading his, his sons closer to Jesus. 
Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a neighbor you've gotten to know after these few months. Maybe it's a coworker that every time you see them, God just puts something on your heart. He tugs something at your heart. Maybe it's a member of this church that's going through a difficult season. Maybe it's a ministry that God is birthing in you, and you've been just waiting for that moment to say, yeah, now is the time. Maybe now is the season. Whether or not you see yourself as a leader, look around. I guarantee you there is somebody in your life right now who's ready and open to your leading. Because that's what makes anyone a leader, right? In the first place. Not whether or not you've been given the position or title of a leader, but more importantly, you become a leader when someone chooses to follow your leadership. You know, what made Jesus a leader was really what makes anyone a leader. That there were some who decided to stop what they were doing, to drop it all, and to follow him. And the most amazing thing about God's grace is that God's grace is always a choice, isn't it? It's a choice to follow Jesus. You know, God will never force anybody to believe or not. This Holy Spirit does not coerce us into belief. Jesus doesn't bust in the door of our hearts performing a no-knock raid, and rather he stands at the door and he knocks, and he hopes and, 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 and desires that you on the other side of that door would open that door and invite him in. How Jesus led demonstrates the, the big gap, the difference between leading with positional authority and, and what we called earlier spiritual authority. You see, a lot of leaders will try to shortcut the influence of their lives by leading their life, by leading others from a place of positional authority, from a natural authority. Think of a, a tired parent who threatens their child. If they don't do what they want, they'll take away your screen privileges. I've been there many times just this week. Or a frustrated manager invoking corrective action on an employee because that employee's performance just won't simply improve. When we use positional authority, using our title, our leverage, uh, when we use positional authority, it can be fruitful in the short term because it gets the job done, but it is always at the expense of the long term. That is, it loses the hearts. And Jesus led from a place of spiritual authority because only spiritual authority can do what positional authority could never do, and that is to lead the hearts. To lead the hearts. I want to take you on a thought experiment for a moment. Now, knowing that Jesus is God, we know that Jesus is, was God's, the Father, Son, Spirit, that Jesus was there at the very beginning of creation. Colossians 1 says that in him, Jesus, all things were created by him, for him, through him. It's Jesus was there from the very beginning. And if Jesus was there from the very beginning, that means that he spoke the entire universe into being with just one word. He spoke it, and there it was. I mean, you want to talk about positional authority? Try to top that one. Speak it, and suddenly it is there. I mean, if I were to go home today after church, and I walk in through the door, and I say, lunch! Is it more likely that lunch will appear on the table, or that a hand will appear on the side of my face? As Jesus began his ministry, he had every right to lead from a place of positional authority because that was his divine privilege of being God. If he wanted to, all he had to do was say the word and it would be done. Say the word and creation would bow at his feet. But here's what Jesus did instead as it's recounted in Philippians. Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped 
but in emptied himself by taking into the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Isn't that amazing? That in order to lead us back to the Father, Jesus chose, it was always his choice to set aside his heavenly privileges and to lead creation from the posture of one who came not to be served, but to serve. So how did Jesus lead others? Well, Matthew 4, 18 to 22 says it this way. When while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their, and their father and followed him. See, Jesus doesn't command anybody to follow him. Instead, he calls. He calls. He says, come and follow me. He gives others the permission to say yes and to say no. And sadly, there are times that there were some who said no to Jesus' call. I think we naturally assume that if Jesus were on earth today like he was 2,000 years ago, and he were to call you or he were to call me, that we would stop what we were doing, that we would sell our house, that we would quit our jobs, that we would leave our families all to follow him. But some said no to Jesus' invitation. Think about that. They resisted his grace. They, they said no to his call. Can you imagine that? Until you realize that we've done that so many times or two in our lifetime. But yet he still calls, and he calls. In Mark 10, Jesus calls a young man to himself. He calls a young man to follow him, a man known to us as the rich young ruler, who seemingly lived a pretty righteous life, keeping all of God's commands despite having this enormous amount of wealth and money. Jesus, he, he, he's asked by the rich young ruler what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus, I love how it says this in verse 21, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Think about that. That he looks upon this rich young man, and he, in his heart, loves him. And he says to him, you lack only one thing. Go, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. See, Jesus loves this man, but despite all of his love, he cannot lead him. Why? Because Jesus didn't have the permission to lead his heart. For this man had given his heart, had given permission to have his heart led by another master, that is his money. If we want to truly lead like Jesus, to take hold of the divine privilege of leading others closer to him. It requires you and I laying down our, all of our positional authority in order that we might gain the spiritual authority that is necessary to lead others' hearts closer to him. Because unless our authority comes from heaven, you and I aren't leading anyone. And so today I want to close by asking the question, how do we lead others? How do we lead others closer and closer to him. Well, leading with spiritual authority is never easy. In fact, I, I find that the, the more talented, the more gifted, the greater your natural influence is here on earth, the greater the temptation is, is that when times get tough, when people don't want to do what you want them to do, when you are stressed, when you are weary, to lean on your natural, your 
earthly, your positional authority rather than the, posi- the authority that comes from heaven. Leading with spiritual authority, it requires a tremendous amount of grace, humility, patience, surrender, and love. But if it's how Jesus led, then it's the only way that we can lead as well. So how do we do it? I want to leave you with three ways that we can lead with, that we can lead with spiritual authority. Number one, I think first and foremost, it begins by leading with our character. I think, in fact, that leading like Jesus really begins and ends with our character. Because when it comes to your witness, and I believe that all of you today earnestly desire to witness your faith to others, to witness what Christ has done in your life to others, your character, even more than your gifts, will serve as your greatest witness to Christ. You know, when you look at the life of Jesus, while he was known as a teacher or a miracle worker, there was something else about Jesus that inspired others to follow him. They wanted just to be near him. They wanted to be close to him. Even, they couldn't even articulate it, what it was, but they just wanted to be close to him. They didn't know what it was, and it wasn't so much of what he did as much as who he was. Jesus had compassion on others, the scripture says. He saw others as sheep without a shepherd, sick who needed a doctor, children in need of a father. He, though he was the greatest, he took the posture of the one who was the lowest, washing his disciples' feet. And when a follower of Jesus begins to take on the posture, the heart, the attitude of a leader, that is something that attracts and draws hearts. It makes others want to jump out of the boat and follow Jesus too. Not because they know, but I think the very opposite, because they just don't know. They can't put a finger on it, but the heart knows. Witnessing with our character, I think, is what Paul means when he talks in 2 Corinthians about you and I having the aroma of Christ. You know, when, when we live a life that are disciplined, developing the fruit of the Spirit, it just smells good to others. You know, when I walked in today, oh, where's Matthew? There, our wonderful drummer, every time I see him on a Sunday morning, I walk in, when I shake his hand, I can smell how good he smells, and I just want to pull him in for a hug because he just, he just smell good, brother. You just smell good. There's something about the aroma of Christ. Others, when they smell it, They want to draw near to it. They don't know what it is. But the fruit of the Spirit just gives off a scent that smells good to others. And so we, to have spiritual authority, we must lead with our character. I'm so sorry, Matthew. (laughs) Secondly, spiritual authority comes when we lead with with wisdom. Number two, with wisdom. You know, as I contrasted character as being even greater, a greater witness than our gifts, I believe wisdom, the pursuit of wisdom, is the more far worthy pursuit than knowledge when it comes to leading others. You see, a lot of leaders want to know information. They want to read books. They want to have theory. I remember younger in my leadership journey when I, the very first, you know, I think it was the very first week I stepped into pastoral ministry. I went to the chapters and I bought like the vault, this thick four-part volume on John Maxwell's leadership library. And I read that thing and I read that thing, and I knew in my head, what does it mean to be a leader? But I didn't know how to lead. I had not developed and fostered the wisdom needed to lead others from a place of spiritual authority. You know, right now, I think you and I, if you look closely enough, you can see it clearly as anything else. That in this world where information 
and knowledge has never been more abundant, people are starving for the truth. Do you agree? There's a, a hunger and thirst. There's a desperation in the eyes because people are lost. There is so much deception taking place right now in this moment. There's lies that, that are just simply lies, but they are being disguised as truth. And when someone can live their life, lead their life from a place of, of articulating that objective truth, of having the wisdom that comes from God, it's like someone lost in a desert comes along streams of water and just wants to drink it all up. Young people today are desperate. These are people with phones that you and I growing up didn't have that has the entire world's knowledge in their pocket, yet they are desperate to be led by spiritual fathers and mothers who don't just know stuff, but know the truth and are living it out. They're longing for someone who can articulate a vision for their lives that is greater than the vision that the world has to offer them. And Jesus did this better than anyone. That when any time he would come across another, he was always able to lead others into what is true about what God says that they are. He would say to those men in the boat, those men who were fishing, he said, come follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. When Peter, when, when, when Jesus revealed that Peter was going to betray him, Jesus said to Peter, listen, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, but here it is. I've prayed for you, Peter, that when your faith, even though your faith will fall, you will, even though when you fall, you will turn and your faith will not fail. And when you turn, I want you to strengthen the brothers. Jesus sees you today not only for who you are today, he sees you for who you are going to become tomorrow. And, and a leader who leads with spiritual authority sees others not just for who they are now, but can see for who they can become in Christ. And third and finally, I think most importantly, to lead with spiritual authority, we must be a people who lead with spiritual power. You see, as much as people are desperate to know what is true, to be led by someone who knows truth, there is an equal desperation, I believe, to be led by someone who has been, been with God, who knows God, who hears from God and knows God like a friend. It is fitting that today is Pentecost Sunday because it is the day where we, the church, remember how the Holy Spirit, God poured out his spirit upon the church. You see, what happened at Acts was not the spirit coming to fill us to produce the fruit of the spirit. No, when the spirit fell at Pentecost, the purposes of God was that the church might not just be fostering a fruit, but would have a power, a spiritual power to do what? To witness, to witness to and lead others to Christ. When God anoints a person for leadership in his kingdom, he will come upon that person by anointing them with his spirit. The same way that kings and prophets were anointed with oil in the Old Testament to symbolize that God had poured out his spirit upon them. Those, they were specific individuals in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, in the last days, Jesus, Joel, the prophet Joel said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh all flesh, and they will prophesy. They will be filled with power so that they might be my witnesses. We will never, ever, ever, no matter how talented, no matter how gifted we are, never lead with spiritual authority if we aren't willing to be a people who get on our knees and seek God's face in prayer. And so today, what makes me hopeful, saying all this that we've said, talking about spiritual authority, what gives me hope, hope for tomorrow, 
is that I am so confident, and I, I really mean this today, that this is a church, this is a body that has plenty of character, plenty of wisdom, and plenty of hunger and thirst to be filled with God's Spirit. You know, one of the many blessings that we have received during this pandemic, and I'm sure it's the same as it is in your house, it has allowed us to examine some of the ways that we did things and what our priorities are. And as we begin to exit this pandemic and begin charting a path forward for this body, what we have sensed is one of God's primary calling on this community, this family here in Canada, is to begin to establish a presence that witnesses Christ to the very community that this physical location resides in. And we've shared in the past our heart to want to reach these people on Terran Road where this church is located. We've talked about how the church, the body, has agreed to set aside a large sum of money in order for this body, this community, to begin reaching out and helping others and leading others to Christ. But how we, but how we must lead this community, and I believe that that is the calling that God has given us, how we must lead this community is we cannot do it from a place of positional authority. In 2021, you know, the, the community, the culture does not care nor respect the church as an institution. When they drive by, the, the reality is, is that very few people are turning and saying, I wonder what's going on in there. How we must lead is, is by forsaking any positional authority because in the kingdom of God, our positional authority matters little. It's not going to be a sign, a good website, uh, a clean building. All those things matter, but they matter more to us than they do to them. What will witness, what will lead others is our character. Who we are is what matters. It will be our wisdom. Can we demonstrate truth, what is objectively true? Are we baptized with the power of God? Is God here in this place? All these things are things that people cannot articulate or put their finger on. But that is what spiritual authority is. It is leading the blind to have sight. It is leading the lame so that they can walk. It is leading those in prison out of those prison walls and into, free, into God's freedom. In God's eyes, this church has that potential to lead others like Jesus. You have that potential Everywhere you go, wherever you are today, there are people in desperate need of Christ. They are in desperate need of, of people and leaders like you. Jesus didn't say that one day, if you are good enough, if you are talented enough, then you might be the light of the world. Jesus didn't say one day you could eventually come. No, he said, you are the light of the world. And if the one who spoke creation into existence with one word, he spoke it, and there it was. Who are we to get in the way between the one who spoke the world into existence with one word? And he says, you are the light of the world. And so if he says that, if he has spoken it, our response as Christians is to say, God, let your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. So let's just now, as we close, just bow our heads and let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you today on this Pentecost Sunday that you love your church so much that you endowed them, you poured out upon them the same 
Holy Spirit that Jesus ministered from, that the same power that Jesus ministered from, that you've given us that same power. Jesus, you said that in your name we would do even greater things because of your Holy Spirit. And our heart today, God, is to do one great thing, that as a community, we want to lead others to Christ. God, as we, I pray today that our legacy as individuals and as a, as a body today will be all the names that are written in the book of life because we cared the way Christ cared, because we led how Christ led. Lord, there is a world that is lost and starving for truth, and we have that truth. I pray today that we would not hoard what is true, but we would just give it and share it freely, as freely as we have received, freely may we give. Lord, I pray today that you would give this church your spiritual authority, your spiritual authority, so that we can speak and it is done the way you spoke and it is done, so that we have the power to, to bind, to, to loosen what needs to be loosened, to bind what needs to be bound, to speak life into others, to reveal the Son, Jesus Christ, to the hearts. Our, our sole purpose, O oh God, is to lead hearts. We don't really care about numbers. We don't really care about image. We care about one thing and one thing only, and that is hearts. Lord, help those who are in lost. Help us to go out and see them through your eyes, to lead others back to you, Lord. May that be a burden on our heart that cannot be lifted until all come to faith in you. Lord, bless this church. Lord, pour out your spirit upon this church, we pray. Help us to lead others the way you led here on this earth. Pray this in your name. Amen.